0: Welcome to the second episode of Behind the Hospital Curtain, the NNUH podcast, where we invite experts from across our hospitals to discuss different health topics. This episode is all about our maternity services. My name's Susie Hawes, and I've invited midwife Vicky Mash to talk to us about what expectant parents need to know. So we cover everything from what to do when you first find out you're pregnant to what to pack in your hospital bag, different pain relief options right through to postnatal care. I hope you enjoy it.
1: Hi. Oh, thank you for having me on the podcast, first of all. it's um, I'm really excited about this. So I am a midwife on delivery suite, so I do all things delivery and labour. I also uh, work on the maternity assessment unit on delivery suite, which is our sort of A&E for pregnant people. And I sometimes do a little bit on PLY or antenatal ward or MLBU, as little extra shifts. So I kind of work a bit of everywhere, really. I've been at um, NNUH for six years now. I did six months on the postnatal ward and then um, moved over to delivery suite and then um, they can't get rid of me. <laughs> just, I just love delivering babies so much. I actually came to midwifery later on in life. I was a maths teacher for 10 years and then did a big career change and kind of fell on it accidentally. And turns out I love it. It's... um you know, I wasn't someone who just grew up always wanting to be a midwife. I just found it in my early 30s, went for it and, you know, I found my calling, which is really lucky.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Maths teacher turned midwife. Who I knew? That is brilliant. So when someone finds out they're pregnant, what's the first thing they should do? Who do they contact first? So what we say to women is um, if you
1: could self-refer, there's a self-referral form on the um, NNUH website and you just fill in your details there and then the community team will contact you about your booking appointment.
0: Okay. And so you talked about that first booking and appointment. So how much contact um, can a patient expect to have with our midwives then during their pregnancy? Once you've done your self-referral form, around 10 weeks, you'll have your booking appointment.
1: Now, this is an extended appointment, uh, which will go into all your medical history, any previous pregnancies. So it's a really good idea if you're on any medication, take your medication with you so you know the names of it. Have a think about any operations or whatever you've had in the past. Also, they'll go into a little bit of family history. So any immediate, you know, parents or siblings, if they have any medical conditions, it's good to know what they are. So you can bring that information to the booking appointment. At 12 weeks, you'll have your first scan. At 16 weeks, you'll see your midwife again. And around 20 weeks, you'll have your second and final scan if everything is straightforward. Um, After about 28 weeks, you'll see the midwife typically every two to three weeks. You see them a bit more often if it's your first pregnancy. But second pregnancy, you'll see them at 28 weeks and then 34 weeks and then every sort of two to three weeks afterwards. We test, we'll take your observations, so your blood pressure, pulse, We'll also dip your urine. That's a really big thing for our appointments. Um, Often we'll give you a little container to do a sample before you come. So it's really good to have that. Just do it before, just before the appointment. And we'll dip that, see if there's any protein in there, any glucose, anything else going on. We then, after sort of about 28 weeks, we'll start listening into the baby with a Sonicade. Yeah, so that's, you know, and we'll also like go into your mental health, give you information about, you know where you might like to have the baby how you might like to feed the baby and things like that you know you do have quite a lot of contact there is a bit of a gap between the 20 weeks and the 28 week appointment and we always say to women if there's any concerns to give us a call at the MAU you know our Maternity assessment unit.
0: Okay Um, you touched briefly on the scans can we just go back um, and just talk a bit more about those so you have generally two unless I guess your clusters. High risk or they need to check on things like growth exactly. or or things like that. Yeah. So yeah. the 12-week scan is the sort
1: of first scan that everyone gets excited about. That scan... The picture. Exactly. The picture. Sort of tell everyone that you're pregnant. That first scan, will make sure that the pregnancy is in the correct place. Obviously, we want it to be in the uterus. We'll also check that there's a heartbeat. And that scan, they will have a little look at the fluid around baby's neck Um, and we'll take some bloods at that scan we check for Down syndrome Patel and Edward syndrome at that scan so it's just worth knowing that Um, at the 20 week scan this we call the anomaly scan most people call it the gender scan but um, (laughs) you can find out the gender at that scan although it is worth knowing that it's not 100% certain the scanners will tell you that when they tell you normally if they've told you it's a boy it tends to be a boy Sometimes, if they've told you it's a girl, it can end up being a boy. But um, they are pretty accurate nowadays, so it is really rare that that happens. I think in my career, I've only delivered two babies that they thought were going to be girls and turned out to be boys.
0: Oh, can you imagine? You'd have to go and rebuy your entire wardrobe, oh redecorate God. your nursery. But the main purpose of that scan is more, it's not really about gender, is it? Isn't it? To check a uh, baby's all healthy and everything's exactly. fine. Exactly. So
1: the other things we check for in that scan, we check the heart, we check the brain, we check the lungs and make sure that everything is kind of falls within a sort of like normal range. Um, If there are any issues, you might be- then get referred on to fetal medicine to to have a bit more of a detailed scan yeah and I think people forget that that they, we are looking at quite a lot of things in that scan I think people get a bit blinded by the fact that they can find out if they're having a girl or a boy so yeah um, yeah it's a really important scan for us
0: yeah and how do you support women if anything's flagged up I remember when I had my son they were checking the heart and they, he was just not in the right position and they couldn't see a certain bit and it went on it felt like it was minutes and minutes and minutes and they went to go and get a second person and my eyes filled with tears and i thought oh no but actually then he just turned and then they could do it and it was fine yeah i imagine you know we have to remember that one it can be scary um for patients and their loved ones if they're with them but two, some cases it can mean that something needs to be looked at in more detail definitely definitely and that's why we'll make that referral and get you seen quickly
1: to kind of get that additional information The one thing we say in the 20-week scan is, um, and in the 12-week scan, that it's just one partner to come with you and we don't allow other children into the scan. And I know sometimes for women that can be quite hard as far as childcare is concerned, but because we are looking for other things, you know, most of the time it's good news, but it's not every time. And so that's why we, we do insist that it's no children in the scans but yeah, we, you know, we try and do everything we can to support women through that process. Our scanners are very, very experienced at sort of delivering information in a sensitive way.
0: Okay, so just talking in general about during the pregnancy, if women have any concerns, maybe um, things about like movement or spotting or whatever, what should they do? so we have um, two dedicated services really we have our medicom number
1: which is for anyone below 18 weeks pregnant you give medicom a call and they will sort of direct your call or get a midwife to ring you back after 18 weeks if there's an emergency sort of situation pregnancy related we ask you to call our maternity assessment unit now we do ask women to bear in mind that it is like A&E for pregnant people. So we have a high volume of calls. It is an emergency service. If it's non-pregnancy related, we can get you to ring your GP or in an emergency like breaking your leg, you go to A&E. Um, if it's a non-emergency situation, like you're feeling a bit dizzy, you can also go to your GP. But if you're unsure, call the maternity assessment unit and we will triage you and give you the advice you need But the things we're kind of looking for in MAU, if you've got reduced movements, we want to hear from you. If you're bleeding, we want to hear from you. If you've got any abdominal pain, any headaches or blurred vision, if you're not feeling right, you're not, you know, you just feel that there's something not quite right, give us a call. You might also get referred to MAU if you've got um, high blood pressure or protein in your urine. But what we say to women is we don't expect them to be experts we're the expert. Give us a call and we can, you know, we can help you um, and direct you to elsewhere if, if needed.
0: And I guess we have to remember as well, not everyone, but for a lot of women expecting their first baby, it can be quite an anxious time. Like time seems to stand still, doesn't it? Are the midwives used to dealing with anxious patients?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think what we try and remind women is that being anxious is completely normal particularly if you've not had a baby before you've never been through this your body is changing in ways you're not used to and so anxiety is completely normal um there are things that you can do to help yourself like being informed about what's going on with your body is a really good idea self-care we you know i think women forget that they really need to look after themselves relaxation healthy eating If they've exercised before pregnancy, continuing with exercise is absolutely fine. If you are finding that your anxiety is getting in the way of your normal daily living, then it might be advised that you contact your GP or the wellbeing service. If you're experiencing extreme anxiety, we also have services to deal with more extreme mental health. Um, we've got perinatal mental health team we have um, our Skylark team which caseload load women who are really really struggling but like I say it is normal to feel anxious it is a life-changing thing that's happening um, and particularly if you've never been through it before you know there is a lot to
0: get your head around moving on then so when women approach their due date what do they need to start thinking about i mean i know we need to we need to talk about hospital bags but what do they need to start thinking about before their due date well i think it's really important to have a think about
1: how you might like to feed the baby obviously you can breastfeed or you can bottle feed so it's trying to get informed on both of those ways of feeding there's plenty of information out there you also want to think about logistical things like how you're going to get to the hospital when you go into labour, if you've got other children who's going to look after those children, of course what you're going to pack in your hospital bag and the big one for us is where you might like to have your baby. Now in your antenatal appointments the midwife will go over this, if everything is nice and low risk you can choose to have a home birth or come to our midwifery led unit or you can come to our delivery suite if you are thinking that you might like an epidural or a bit more pain relief or if you've got a high risk pregnancy so really having a think about your choices about where you might like to have that baby nothing is set in stone until until you're in labor so there's plenty of help out there on how to make those choices and so antenatal classes do we provide them so we don't provide antenatal classes unfortunately what we Direct women to is Pathway to Parenting on the Just One Norfolk website. There are, of course, um, private classes out there um, which women can um, pay to go to, but yeah, otherwise, Pathway to Parenting. No matter how you choose to feed your baby, whether it's bottle or breast, something that you can consider is collecting colostrum. It's like absolute liquid gold for your baby. So even if you're choosing to bottle feed, giving your baby that colostrum in the first few days is absolutely amazing the other bonus about about collecting colostrum is that it can also help bring on labor so starting after 36 weeks to collect colostrum can get all those hormones flowing to get you into labor so it's a really really good thing to do
0: okay and hospital bag we just mentioned so when should you have it ready so you don't get caught out And what do you need in it? Just general basics. I was so
1: guilty of not doing this. (laughs) And so (laughs) scrabbling around the day before I was due to go into hospital, packing my hospital bag. Um, But what we try and say to women is 36 weeks onwards, have your hospital bag packed. I think it's quite a good therapeutic process as well for women to sort of prepare themselves. What we really say to women is try not to pack too much. I know it's a circumstance that maybe you've you've never even been into hospital, so trying to know what you need is really difficult. But as little as possible, we don't have much space around the beds in our wards, and actually the baby needs relatively little: a few changes of outfits, nappies. However, you might clean the baby with you know um, cotton wool pads or whatever, and for yourself a couple of changes of clothing some big pants something comfortable to wear around the ward something comfortable to labor in um snacks lit balm, and toiletries other than that i don't think there's masses you need there are lists out there on the internet which are really quite extensive but just remember after baby's born your partner can go home and get more stuff for your hospital bag if, if there are things you need one of the things we say to women is if you're bringing colostrum in bring it in with fr- freezer blocks um, in a cool bag to keep it frozen while you transport it in. So having a think about that and in terms of your hospital bag is a really good idea. Also, I would say to anyone wanting to breastfeed their babies, if you're hand expressing before the baby is born, not only have you kind of mastered the art of doing it, your milk is likely to come in quicker because of that hand expressing. So I if when en- whenever any of my friends ask me, what's my big tips for having a baby as a you know as a midwife I always say hand expressing before before having your baby absolutely whether you're bottle feeding whether you're
0: breastfeeding hand expressing that is amazing and something I didn't know about even though I've got two children so that is fantastic information thank you let's move on to sort of labor then so you're at home and you start getting some pains or your waters go. So what do you do? When do you call straight away? Do you wait a bit? I suppose it will depend a little bit on any advice you've been given if you're deemed high risk or whatever. Absolutely. So I think this is quite
1: individualised. If you have a high risk scenario, this advice is very different. So if you've got a planned C-section, if you've got placenta previa, um, you know, if you've if you're you've got a planned induction, if there's anything else going on really you need to ring a straight away. So that's ringing maternity assessment unit. Now, just to, just to let you know that all the phone numbers you need are in your yellow notes. Also in your yellow notes are the details of what to expect for every antenatal appointment. So there's loads of information. There's the main numbers on the first pink sheet. But if you turn over to the first or second white sheet, there's loads of phone numbers on there that are really, really useful. So if you go into labour and you're high risk, give us a call straight away. If everything's been straightforward with your pregnancy and you're expecting to go into labour naturally and you're over 37 weeks, then you can give it a bit of time before you give us a ring. What we say for first-time mums is what we look for is three contractions in 10 minutes. We want the contractions to be a minute in length and to have gone on for about an hour. When you first go into labour, you can experience something called the latent phase lots of women don't really know about this and it's definitely something to to look into you know during your pregnancy but the latent phase can be a long drawn out early labor phase where you haven't quite established and it can take time so that's why we sort of say if you've got three contractions in 10 minutes they've been going on for an hour they're about a minute in length give us a call but if you are unsure just give us a call so You can, if you're expecting to go to the midwifery led unit, you can ring MLBU, or if you're expecting to come to delivery suite, or you're not sure, give MAU a ring, they'll triage, they'll give you advice. And that advice might be, give us a call later, or it might be come in, we'll check you and see what's going on. Now, if you're having your second baby, what normally happens, although sometimes these babies do play tricks on us, things tend to get moving a bit quicker we say if you're having like two contractions in 10 minutes, give us a call. If you have had a speedy delivery before, you give us a call as soon as those contractions start. It's quite difficult to give really set advice on this. And we just say, if you're not sure, give MAU a ring. We're a 24-hour service and that is what we are there for.
0: Have you ever, you know, you see it in the film sometimes or, or on TV and dramas, do you ever get the odd car park delivery? we do get the odd car park delivery. Do you? Yeah, we do. We have a grab bag
1: that we can run down to the car park. So if you think, if you're coming in in labour and you think you might have the baby in the car park, you ring maternity assessment unit straight away and we will come rushing down to you. One of the things, if you are someone who is experienced of quick labour and you're on your way to the hospital, we, we have some quite clear advice. So we suggest that you are calling us while you're on the way to the hospital but if you think you're gonna have your baby before you arrive you stop the car and you call 999 and you get the paramedics there immediately you tell them what's clearly what's going on that your baby is coming now and they will dispatch an ambulance straight away but we do we do have some sometimes the quick deliveries at my old hospital in London we had a really dodgy list and we had quite a few babies born in we're born in the list <laughs> Be shown that we needed a birth register in there because it happened so many
0: times. Fortunately, the lifts are great. Yeah, <laughs> then. Nice and speedy. Speaking with labour then, in the hospital, whether you're on MLBU or on delivery suite, are you allowed just one partner with you or are you allowed more than that? So we've now gone back up to having
1: two, you can have two partners with you during um, labour, um, which is lovely now as soon as you get transferred to our postnatal ward if you are going there it's back down to just one partner so your main birthing partner is allowed with you on blakeney but yeah as soon as you're in labour now bear in mind if you're being induced the induction process can be quite long and you can be on the ward for a few days we allow one partner all of the time on the ward but we kind of we suggest that that partner does go home and try and get some sleep at night otherwise you've got potentially three four nights with really bad sleep plus you know the delivery then going on to blatantly ward it can be a long process so although we do welcome partners we do suggest that they do go home we also try and make sure that partners aren't coming and going at night particularly um so just you know just bear that in mind but yeah we do welcome two during
0: um labor um pain relief uh, do you discuss all that? What are the options? I presume you discuss all that in the various appointments running up to birth, yes. don't you? Yeah,
1: we we like to try and sort of share as much information with women before they come in. But we do have sort of several different pain relief options. A lot of women do try um, and do it without and use breathing techniques, relaxation, hypnobirthing. Um, that is definitely that everyone can consider, even if you're not having your baby at home or on MLBU looking at some breathing techniques and birthing is great. There's plenty of free stuff out there. You don't have to pay for an expensive course if you don't want to. So um, on the midwifery led unit, we, you know, obviously promote relaxation. You can have your baby in the birthing pool, which is really good for pain relief. We also have Entonox, which is the gas and air, which is available on MLBU. Um, and we have the pethadin injection, which is suitable for most women. If you're not too far along in the, in your labour, we only have one birthing room uh, with a pool on delivery suite, but the entelox and the pethidine is very much available on delivery suite. And then we have sort of um, other options like the epidural or remifentanil on delivery suite. If you're someone that you think that that might be something you like, maybe delivery suite is more suitable for you. However, it's worth noting that you can start if you're if everything's straightforward and you've chosen to have your baby on MLBU you can start your labor there and then if you feel that you want more pain relief like an epidural they can transfer you over to delivery suite so it's not it's not set in touch stone the only thing is you can't have an epidural on MLBU because we need to be able to monitor you and the baby closely um we also need the doctors on standby so yeah that's that's the big one that only on delivery suite can you have that
0: yeah And I suppose plans change, don't they? I think uh, I remember there was always quite a lot of talk about, you know, having a birth plan. But then some people saying, well, you can't really plan for a birth because you don't know what's going to happen. So what's the sort of advice there? Do you say have a birth plan or do you say just, you know, be mindful that things can change? I think what we say is have a think about your birth preferences and try and not
1: have too much of a set plan. I think the women that struggle the most are the ones that are very, very set on what's going to happen And there are so many variables with um, pregnancy and labour that it's so difficult to plan really meticulously. So we say, have some preferences, but try and keep an open mind because all sorts of things can happen that you just can't plan for. So the midwives at every stage of your delivery will ask you what you want. So don't worry if you haven't got a plan at all, or if you're someone that doesn't you know doesn't work that way the midwife will go through every single step with you they won't do anything that they haven't discussed with you so for example if you haven't thought about whether you want baby to have vitamin k after baby's delivered then the midwife will talk through the pros and cons of having vitamin k at the time that they would give it so yeah you know it is good to have preferences but just try not to be too set have an open mind is what i would say to women
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was very fortunate with both my labours, they were quite straightforward, but I do have friends that have had emergency sections and you do sort of hear of those kind of, not necessarily scarce stories, but, you know, they do make sometimes a dramatic story um, when they're retold. But I imagine that'd be very, very scary. So have you got any advice if that happens? Well, firstly,
1: I always just try and remind women that the scary stories are the only ones that people tell because of the drama because they make a good story actually seeking out the positive birth stories is a really really good idea because so many people have these lovely positive experiences but don't necessarily share it at a dinner party because it's just not as exciting as something more dramatic so you know seek out those stories there's plenty of them out there if things do not go to plan during your delivery and you end up in an emergency scenario I would just say, try and talk to the doctors. They will explain everything that's going on to you. If you're not sure about anything, ask them, okay? They will happily just take a breath and talk through it with you before, you know, before they do anything. Sometimes we do have to act quickly. It can be quite frightening. But again, your midwife will be there to support you through all of it. And I think one of the biggest, most powerful things we can do in those scenarios is the debrief afterwards. The doctors will come and chat to you afterwards. We also have a birth reflections service. So after you've got over the massive sleep deprivation and the the whatever's happened in hospital, you can come and do our birth reflection service, you know, a year after you've had your baby. Things can happen. And I don't think there's any way really to prepare women for that. But All I can say from working at the hospital is we have such an amazing team. I had both my babies there. I know you had both your babies there. I wouldn't choose to have my baby anywhere else because the doctors are just so fantastic. The midwives are so fantastic. I know it's easy for me to say that because
0: I am. You are. You are. You're brilliant. (laughs) But But they really are.
1: And, you know, they are just fantastic. So...
0: Let's just think about postnatal care. So obviously we've got Blake in the ER postnatal ward, haven't we? Does everyone go there? And if so, for how long? Not everyone needs to go there. So if everything is really straightforward with your labour and um, there's sort of no
1: complications with baby and feeding's established, you can go straight home from delivery suite or MLBU. We like women to stay about six hours so we can do the sort of firstborn baby check and make sure that everything's OK. But if there are any complications, so if you've had a cesarean section or you're having feeding issues or baby's got jaundice, you might need to go to our postnatal ward. Now, if you're just having a planned C-section, it might be that you just need one night there. If you've got um, other things going on, it might take more time. The one thing I do say to women is, particularly with feeding issues, is some women are so desperate to go home, but you've got a whole staff of midwives there to help you. So try not to rush yourself home because you you don't want to find yourself in the middle of the night unable to feed your baby with no support there. So even though it can be a difficult experience, just really taking advantage of the midwives and the MCAs, the MCAs on Blakeney are are. Amazing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. For for that advice. They're they're there, aren't they? And then when you go home, you're all on your own and it's really scary. Well, like one thing I would say about um your hospital bag is that maybe
1: packing earplugs is a good idea because they're yes. noisy and we would love to give every woman their own private room. We really would, but we just don't have the space. So you you it's likely you will end up on a bay um with five other women and babies, so it can be a bit of a noisy environment. So yeah, it, it is tough. We do say to women, you are allowed your birthing partner with you on Blakeney, that they can be there twenty-four hours a day, apart from between one and three, where we um we try and have quiet time on the ward, where partners we ask to go, you know, go down to the canteen, just give women a bit of space. So if we need to do any more intimate sort of things, then we can do that. Again, what I say to partners on Blakeney is you need to get some sleep. You're not going to sleep on the ward. We don't have beds, reclining chairs for partners. We just don't have those facilities. We don't have shower facilities for partners and we don't feed partners. So we really recommend that they go home overnight, get some sleep. At some point, they're going to have to drive their new family home and we just don't want them doing that on no sleep. We do understand that women want them there and, and that's why we say, yeah, absolutely but at some point we really recommend that they go home get a shower have something nice to eat and then come back in and be the sort of fresh face so the woman can then maybe have a nap when they're when they're back in we allow visitors so visitors can come between three and six at the moment i would say before you have visitors come in just check that our visiting um hours do change quite regularly we're sort of just finding the right balance i think um so we allow two by the bedside uh, between three and six. And that does include the birthing partner. So if you've got parents that you want to come in, the birthing partner will just have to step away and, you know, go off the ward while we have those visitors. There's just not that much space to have lots of people. and It's not fair on other women if you've got yeah around the bed. It's just... Absolutely, yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay, so once everyone's home then, uh, do they still continue to see our midwives and and it, what do they sort of do checkups on so as soon as you're home you kind of go back under the care of your community midwife so
1: as soon as you're home you can expect a visit the day after you get home from hospital and then normally we do a visit on day three to weigh baby and day five for the newborn blood spot test after that it's really done on need so if your baby has jaundice you might need more regular visits. If there's feeding issues you might need more regular visits. If you've got sort of other mental health stuff going on you might have extended visits to 28 days. So it it really varies for every woman. If you're doing quite well and you're fit and you're able to get out and about you might be invited to come to one of our postnatal clinics where you actually go to the clinic where you had your um, community midwife appointments and see your midwife there. So It really is different from everyone. Now, just like during pregnancy, after the baby's born, if you have concerns, we ask you to ring that Medicom number. So again, it's the Medicom number on your yellow notes. It's the same number that you rang antenatally. Also, if there is a a higher risk scenario postnatally, like if you're having big blood clots or you feel that your C-section wound is infected, that would be then to ring the maternity assessment unit but if you're not sure ring medicom and they'll direct you to the right place there is a lot for women to take in and actually their yellow notes have a lot of information so that is you know if they want to look something up it might be worth just going there first but like i say if there's any concerns from women or they you know they're just not sure just give us a call and come and talk to us because we want to hear from you but um yeah just anyone who's pregnant just you
0: know good luck and we look forward to seeing you Oh, Vicky, thanks so much. It's been such a great chat. I've loved it. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you're expecting or if you know someone who is, then please share this episode with them. Feel free to leave a comment or email your feedback and suggestions for future topics as well. You can contact us on our social media platforms. Just search for NNUH. Or you can email the communications team at communications at nnhs.uk. Until next time, take care.